0: Welcome, brethren, Kyle D. Roban, Act Like Men Ministries. Are y'all ready to engage in understanding the principles of 1 Corinthians 16, 13, where we're going to learn how to be watchful, to stand firm in the faith, to act like a man, and to be strong. Well, 2 Timothy chapter 2 has foundational principles for us as men. If you're born a man, you are born to lead. It, this needs to be cultivated by discipleship. So that's what we're going to do. We are going to go through the scriptures together and start building on that foundation of godly principles of being a man. So I encourage everyone listening, read 2 Timothy chapter 2, get familiar with it. This is the introductory lesson today. Then we're going to be diving into each one of the metaphors. There are seven metaphors that Paul... Uh, writes to Timothy that's going to help him be a successful leader. Now, being you a man and you were born a leader, take all these principles and apply them to your home. So if you're husband, father, or you in uh, understanding that you are going to be that one day, Start learning now. And just understand this. People who are born again, believers in Christ, who are saved. Well, God is going to conform each one of us into the image of His Son. So, the main will for our lives is, guess what? Being Christ-like. So, these are all principles of being Christ-like. So I don't care if you were married five times, uh, been in jail countless times, your life is in your mind a complete disaster. Well, guess what? <laughs> the goal is still the same, to be these things. Some people are a little far off the beaten path than others, but we all going to the same point, christ So. If you are somebody that's saved and has an unbelieving spouse, well, guess what? You know what the will of God for your life is? likeness. Are you in jail? Well, will for your life is likeness. Wherever you are, that is the goal. So all these things are going to help you and me to strive for that goal. So stay tuned. So let me give you a little background history on Paul. He had a lot of credentials under his belt. That if salvation could have been attained by the law and by heritage, he probably wouldn't have been able to stroll into heaven with this resume. But he refutes salvation through the law and he explains that in Philippians chapter 3 starting in verse 4 so it goes as follows though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew of Hebrews That comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I might may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the salvation the uh, resurrection from the dead so Paul here is letting us know. That As soon as we think that we have confidence in doing good things or you might be saved based on your heritage and think you being better than anybody else in the law, so God's going to have you first in line for salvation, he just totally squashed that understanding. Because... All the credentials that Paul had, he just said he counted all of them as rubbish. He said that everything he com- he accomplished and completed and um, the zeal he had under the law and trying to achieve certain things and God thinking he, was, he would be pleased with that, he said, I want to let everybody know that is a complete waste of time because nobody can please God in the flesh. So, if you want to do a further study on Paul and understand how he came to know Jesus Christ as Lord, well, just say, look, read the book of Acts. The latter part of Acts is all about Paul's missionary journeys. And he was going to kill Christians. Who believed in the testimony of Jesus Christ. And. Christ stopped the ministry tracks. So Paul has a personal experience. With Jesus Christ. So Paul. If this wasn't true. He would not be enduring the suffering that accompanied him by following Christ he wouldn't have did it why would he have had to only if it was 100% true of what he was saying about his testimony of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus so testimony of Christ is real by the suffering people continue to go through without renouncing Christ as Lord even unto death and may God strengthen us if we ever come to that point in time in our life that's gonna reveal to us if we true followers or not so, let's engage into Second Timothy chapter 2, where Paul is encouraging Timothy to be a godly man, godly leader, based on the seven metaphors mentioned in Second Timothy 2. Now, Paul instructs Timothy on how to follow Christ, not traditions or false religious ways. But on the authority of Scripture, in 2 Timothy uh, 3.16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every man may be competent for every good work. So, as I mentioned before, Paul as a Pharisee, he had all these crazy rules. Um about following the law and all these bylaws that, as I said in my previous episode, that there's things that's not going to stop the indulgence of the flesh. So everything Paul is going to instruct Timothy on is all going to come through God's word, which is the Bible. So let's please throw out any church denominational understandings of achieving true godliness, okay? God doesn't care about what denomination you're from. All He cares about is, are you going to obey His Word, not the traditions of your church? So, um, for instance, just, just a warning. There's a bunch of denominations that proclaim Christ. If you go and read Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21 to 23, in this new age of false doctrine, there's plenty of churches that are doing all these signs and miracles in Christ's name. And Christ is going to deal with them on judgment day and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So, we need to make sure we in Christ, we know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and he's our Lord and Savior based on faith. So, surrendering to Christ and believing in his death, burial and resurrection is the sufficient sacrifice for paying one's sin debt. And that's, our firm foundation of salvation. Now, once we are established in Christ, we become God's fellow workers. Listen to what it says in First Corinthians three, nine to fifteen. Says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let us, let each of us take care of how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a re- reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, only as through fire. So what he's saying is, when we in Christ. There's rewards that we will receive based on if we're doing things according to the spirit or according to our flesh. The Things we do according to the spirit of God through the word of God is the gold, silver, precious stones. But the things we try to accomplish in our flesh is the wood, hay and straw. So let's look at the metaphors in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the first metaphor is a teacher. Now, remember this. Paul is instructing Timothy. There's discipleship. Now, he wants Timothy to disciple other faithful men in the Lord that's going to be able to teach others. So it's ongoing discipleship. I hope whatever church you're going to, there's a discipleship program. Now, teacher is the first one. Let's continue to read. Verse 3, sharing in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who listened him. So, metaphor number two is a soldier. And you continue to read, verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Athlete is the third metaphor. Verse 6, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So that is metaphor number 4. If you drop down to verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So that is metaphor number Five. And if you drop down to 20, 21, it says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So vessel is number six. And if you drop down to verse 24, it says, And the Lord's servant or slave must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, patiently enduring evil. So those are the seven metaphors we are going to dive into in the coming episodes So, if you look at all these metaphors closely, you'll see that it is going to require sacrifice, discipline, labor, service, time, energy, hardship. We need to count the cost of these characteristics. Christ says a true follower counts the cost. What kind of cost? Luke 14, starting in verse 25. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and acts for terms of peace. So therefore, if any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's some very profound statements that Christ just said. And I got to tell you this. If you really love your family, you will love Christ more and first. Why? Because if you... Say you love Christ, but you really love your family first. Well, you're going to compromise your beliefs. So this is what Christ is saying in regards to counting the cost. Are you going to compromise your relationship with Christ for the sake of false peace with everything going on in your life? Some people, counting the cost means <laughs> it might create a separation from your spouse because they might be so devout in their religion. And let's say you get saved and God wants to take you out of that. Well, what do you think that's going to cause? But are you going to love Christ more than you love your spouse and your, your family? Are you going to love Christ above your career? I mean, just fill in the blank. Christ doesn't want you compromising. Doesn't want any of us compromising. Because there's always going to be a division or a battle for truth. The thing is, us as husbands and fathers, we need to lead. We are not the tail. I know plenty of men that go to church because they follow their wife. Or they might be following a girl that they're interested in in a certain church. No, we lead. We don't follow. And if we true followers of Christ, no compromise. Now, God saved us by His grace. Why? Because we can't obtain salvation in the flesh. So, on the flip side, now that we in Christ, we still can't please God in the flesh. We have to do things by His strength. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Him, who strengthens me good old Old Testament verse Isaiah 4110 he strengthens us and then upholds us with his righteous right hand so we still need to fully remember that we need to rely on God always let's look at some of the things we need to have as our goals and priorities second timothy chapter 2 so the first one is in verse 10 paul says therefore i endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in christ jesus with eternal glory we are living in what is called the church age there's people That God is going to save in this church age, which is the elect. If you're saved, you are one of the elect. How you got saved is someone obeying the command of God to evangelize, share the gospel with us. That's how we got saved. My whole life up until 23, people were trying to share the gospel with me. They were sharing the gospel with me and God saved me when I was 23. So we commanded to share the gospel for the sake of the elect. That's one. Two, once we are saved, we need to start being conformed to the image of Christ. That's in Romans chapter 8. You want to go read the whole chapter. But in Second 2 Timothy 2.22, it says that we should flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. That is striving to become Christ-like. Romans 12.1 uh, and 2, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, we understand that we have to evangelize, and also, we need to... Flee youthful passions because we do not want to be a stumbling block to the world because we are supposed to be producing fruit. Listen what Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 says. Paul is writing to the Philippians here. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. So be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. So that is another part of our focus and our goal, is to flee these passions of our flesh. Okay? In uh, Galatians chapter five verse sixteen, we need to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. In verse sixteen, so what's the fruit of righteousness? We'll drop down to twenty two. Says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. So to just simply put it, we go evangelize. By sharing the gospel with people. We flee youthful passions. Which is the same as denying ourself. And we pursue righteousness. God is going to conform us to the image of his son. Jesus Christ. The fruit of Christ's likeness. It's all in the framework of the fruit of the spirit. Now the last thing we need to focus on is starting in verse 23, to have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured to do his will. Look, Paul wrote the book of Galatians to the church of Galatia. They had these Judaizers that were creeping in there and saying that, yes, you have to believe in Christ, But you also have to get circumcised. Paul says that is a different gospel. So the devil wants to try and put the young believer back in the bondage. By saying, oh, now that you're in Christ, okay. I lost that battle about keeping you from salvation. So now that you are saved, well, I'm going to try to put you back in bondage under the law listen you continue to be saved by grace throughout the whole christian life so paul refuted that circumcision was by any means a part of the gospel and he did it by knowing the Old Testament and refuting salvation and circumcision. So that's another part of what we have to understand. We need to be trained, grounded in the Word to where if we see anyone led astray, whether lost or saved, we bring them to the context of Scripture, so that hopefully God may grant them repentance into the knowledge of truth. Because if that happens, then there's a breaking away of the snare of the devil to do his will. So, hopefully, we all have an understanding of our responsibilities as a man. Not everybody's going to be gifted to be a pastor. But I'll tell you this. You want to find out where the youth pastors are in the Bible? That's us as fathers and husbands. And I'll tell you, God will hold everyone accountable to all these metaphors. For instance, let's take it back to the garden God created Adam and Eve to have dominion over everything he created. And it was very good. And God instructed Adam on a few things he needed to do. He needed to work and keep the garden. He needed to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, He had Adam name all the animals. He said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So just read Genesis 1 and 2, and you'll see these metaphors in the framework of creation. As for the teacher, God instructed Adam, who instructed Eve. As a soldier, God instructed Adam to keep the garden, and that word means to protect and guard. What he was needing to protect and guard the garden from. If everything was good. God was warning Adam that something was about to creep in there. So you want to know what creeped in there? Read Genesis chapter 3. So how was Adam an athlete? Well, Adam needed to discipline himself according to the rules in order to be quali- not to be disqualified. So as soon as he broke a rule, he was disqualified. That was the fall. What about a farmer? He needed to bear fruit by maintaining the garden. God told him to be fruitful and multiply. What about a worker? Remember that Paul said we need to be a worker approved, rightly rightly handling the truth. Where in the world did Eve get this understanding that she couldn't touch the fruit? Was God's commands being rightfully handled? Well, look at what she said, but look at what God commanded Adam not to do and figure out how in the world not touching it came about. And what about a vessel? Mankind was created to, for honorable use, To be set apart as holy, partaking in the tree of life. And what about a servant or a slave? Adam was created to serve his creator. Therefore, God commanded Adam. That means Adam served God. We are going to be persecuted for striving for godly leadership. We are going to be persecuted for preaching the word, sharing the gospel, true gospel, and the word in context. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Paul was in prison for the gospel. But he said the word of God is not bound. In Matthew chapter 5, Christ says this, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you Paul understood that Paul wrote these things in his epistles anytime you're reading 1st and 2nd Timothy you'll see that when he mentions preaching the word he mentions something about persecution or suffering right after. Because true doctrinal teaching, the true gospel, always accompanies persecution. So I hope we're starting to have an understanding of 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. What we being watchful for. What we're standing firm in, which is our faith. How are we to act like a man and how are we to be strong I pray this that everyone wanting to live the Christian life as a man understands all these things and really relies on God's strength because we can't do it on our own so let's pray Heavenly Father, we definitely pray for your grace and your mercy and strength to accomplish the responsibilities you have for us and give us clarity in your word that we follow it and we follow in your steps. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I hope that was encouraging and insightful. We're all a work in progress. The work starts at the cross, and God is going to continue to sanctify us one step at a time all the way into eternity. If this was uh, encouraging to you, it's insightful. Share the link. Share the podcast. Tell others to hit follow. That way they can get this series. We'll be going into a little more depth about a teacher on the next episode. So as soon as I can post it, I will. So until next time, seek first the kingdom of God. Catch you later.